Welcome to Whom, an Australian podcast focused on bringing creative names to light. At Whom, we ask the real questions. That would inform what question you would ask everyone, right? I was just thinking, like, do you like cheese? (laughs) We also make sure we touch on the real issues. Get away with anything if you've got enough money, enough rock. Yeah, what's currency to them? How many hairs you got in your mane? More hairs in my mane. (laughs) But one thing's for sure. Our guests promise to open up and tell you stories all about themselves that will send you on an emotional roller coaster. Our guest today comes from a very horrific past and is ready to share her story with the Whom family, a stand-up comedian with a few stories that you are all about to enjoy. Please note, this episode of Whom discusses some heavy topics suitable for adults only. Listener discretion is advised. Please welcome Sean Smith. Without further ado, here's your hosts, Ben, Siobhan, and Ben. Uh, I'm actually a full-time travel agent. Oh, you're a full-time so travel agent, and what do you do? Um, for work, I'm a software engineer, but yeah, and what are you I'm also an actor. An actor, yeah. And yeah. Are um, you an actor? I produce, well, I, I'm running a show in October at Fringe Festival. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> so it's a spin-off of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, cool, awesome. Yeah, but Siobhan's a writer and a director and an actor, so. Oh, beautiful, great. Yeah. Creative, but doesn't pay the bills yet, so that's why we. Have to, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it ever does. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> it pays. It pays the exposure, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the experience. <laughs> so uh, it's Sean, isn't it? Yeah, it's Sean. Yeah. Because Siobhan, our other host, got into uh, it a bit this morning, where she's like, "Maybe it's Gaelic, maybe it's Shian." No, 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 no. It's Sean. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome. John, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate the short notice of coming in today as well. Yeah, no worries. Um, So it's good to have you here. Now, I want to start with a few things, of course. Uh, You've Mm -hmm. told us a lot about you, so we'll get into that. But I want to know something that you haven't told us about you yet, which I guess is where where you're from. Are you from Brisbane? No, I'm from Sydney originally, and I moved to Brisbane in February of this year. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm very new to this place. Um... And, yeah, you know, um, when I first came here, I was, like, completely fucked and, like, homeless and shit. But um, it's, uh, it's gotten a lot better now. <laughs> I have a home and I am now a person in the world. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm sure. We're working on it. We'll dive yeah. into that a little bit. <laughs> tell us a bit about your upbringing. So, uh, I yeah, guess. So I, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah tell on. us. No, go yeah, through yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, So, I grew up in, um, well, actually, I was born in England. So, don't judge me for that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was born in England. I um, we emigrated to Australia um, to escape the cold. So we, that, like, some people, you know, come to Australia to escape war and famine, but we came to escape the cold. <laughs> um, that just shows us our privilege, and um, you know what I mean. And uh, yeah, so yeah, we emigrated to Australia. Uh, we lived in Sydney for a little bit. Um, then my dad uh, decided to disappear. You know, just... Went out uh, for milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went out for milk and never came back. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, uh, and then he'd like, um, yeah, so then he just disappeared and wasn't wasn't in the picture. And then me and my mum moved to a small town called Port Macquarie um, on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. And I lived there for a little bit and did my high schooling there. Um, And then I got a scholarship for the McDonald College, which is a performing arts school in Sydney. Um, And then I did like year 11 and 12 there. And then I kind of fucked around for a bit and lived in Wagga. I don't know why I did that, um, which was such a shithole. And um, then I, yeah, and then I moved back to Sydney and um, just started doing stand-up and, yeah, the rest of, and, yeah, lived a chaotic life, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that, that's a bit, that's a very short um, example of my, of my upbringing, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Sweet. So, um we're going to go a bit more detail into, into a lot of the different things that you've already told us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You um, wanted someone with a horrific life story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so <clears throat> you've been in stand-up for nine years, you said? Yeah, for nine years, yeah. Taking it seriously since 2018 when I got into the Royal Comedy National Finals, yeah. Yeah, sweet. So tell us about what led you into that. And um, sort of well, like you guys, I wanted to be an actor what a stupid decision and I was like actually like I'm not like I don't like you're not gonna get any stage time like it's just like no stage time it's just like auditioning and paying heaps of money to do oh getting an audition what like once every three months and then 
like, you know, paying a heap for acting classes, which just seemed like a waste of time. Like, you know, when you're just like lying on the floor, like just like pretending to be a sausage and you're like, what the fuck am I? Like, this is like, this is mental illness. That, that's what insanity is, right? It's, it's doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And um, yeah, and so then I was like, oh, well, I'll just do stand up because I think that's the closest thing that I'm going to have to you know, getting stage time. And when mm. you do stand up, like, you know, there's a lot of room for stage time because it's like open mics and all that kind of thing. Um, and then I just noticed that my real love was kind of in, yeah, doing stand-up comedy. And um, that was kind of how I like to express myself the most. And then I just kind of like forgot about acting completely and just um, was doing that and um, kind of like, no, not too seriously for like the first like four years um, until, yeah, the Royal Comedy Finals. And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe I should like take this a little seriously, which like for me taking things seriously is like, like not very serious, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, didn't, I didn't understand about networking. I didn't understand about like any of that shit, you know, and I was very arrogant. But um, uh, arrogant and ignorant, which is such a bad combo. And um, yeah, and... Yeah, but um, yeah. So that's what I did. That's what I did, and um, then like, yeah, I started. But then I started like, you know, having like a real like interest in it. And people started like telling me I was a good joke writer, um, which was really cool because like I was like um, like in like the special needs class at school because like I had like ADHD and dyslexia, and I was just a bit of like a. Um, I won't, That's I won't a bad use the R word, but um, <laughs> yeah, I won't use the R word, but I just, I was a bit of a sped and um, yeah, so it was cool to like be told, oh, you're actually like a good joke writer and like, I don't really know where that came from, you know, I don't really know, um, yeah, so yeah, it was good and it was, um, and yeah, I just found a lot of love in it and um, yeah, um, and community and everything and um yeah, now I'm and now I'm in Brisbane, just like yeah, healing after like living a very chaotic life for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're going to touch a bit more on on the chaos, mm. um, if you don't mind. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess so. From what I heard so far, before we dive into that, you started stand up comedian. Uh, sorry, comedy. Um, was this while you were with? that partner at the yeah, time yeah yeah we actually met at an open mic at my second open mic i met him yeah, how, how was it i mic. guess at the start of that relationship yeah 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 so so this so we'll just let the view so i was in the dv relationship for like eight years um so at the start of this um it was like um i don't know like like it's so interesting like um you know, they say, like, the first sign of, like, an uh, abusive relationship is, like, you know, it's very full-on really fast. And it, and it kind of was. Like, I just – but I was, like – I was extremely vulnerable. Like, I just – you know, I was, like, alone in a city. I didn't really know many people. And um, I kind of met him. And, you know, you know how they're, like, oh, they'll tell you that they love you on the first date, that, that kind of thing. He told me he loved me on, like, the second date. And um, I remember, no, but it was so interesting. And I always wonder if this was a mistake or if it wasn't or I don't know. But I always remember I'd, I, I said to him, good night. And he said, I love you too. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't say I love you. And he's like, oh, sorry, I, I misunderstood you. What? And yeah, <laughs> I know. And I was like, oh, and I just always thought that was like a funny story. Cause like, you know, I'm also like a social worker. So like, I know about this shit. And I'd always tell my friends, like, oh, isn't it so funny? Like, he misunderstood me. He thought I said, I love you. And um, he said, I love you too. But um, it was just like an, a mistake. But um, I often wonder if that was like the first kind of sign, you know? And um, yeah, and then, yeah, and then it got, yeah. But it was interesting because the smartest thing these guys do is like they create the illusion that you are the dominant one in the relationship. So I thought I was the dominant person in the relationship. And they do that by, like, idolising you, you know? Like, he loved everything about me. Like, you know, he wanted to know everything about me and he loved everything about me. And I always felt, until the very, very end, extremely guilty that I felt like I didn't love him as much as he loved me, which is such a weird juxtaposition when someone is violent to you, um, you know, constantly and, um, 
yeah, but I really, I really felt that. Like I really felt guilty. I was like, I don't love this guy as much as he loves me. So it was just a weird like contradiction, you know, mm. um, when mm. that wasn't really the reality. And um, yeah, and yeah, and then, yeah. And then he was sexually violent really early on. There was an instance of sexual violence. And I was aware then, you know, I was like a little, you know, feminist activist. How and old I was were you like, at the time? I would have been about, um, how old was I? I was about 21, okay. I think. Yeah, I think I was about 21 or, yeah. And um, I remember, yeah, and that happened. And I was, I was extremely angry about that. Like, I was angry about that. And I remember I told, like, a few of my friends, but, like, we were all really young and we didn't really know how to make sense of it. I even told my mum, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I even told my mum. And it was so funny because, like, you know, we we rewind to like eight years later, um, and I and I said to my mum, "Mum, you know, I told you, I told you when he raped me. Why didn't you tell me to leave him then?" Mm. And my mum was just like, "Ah, Shan, I forgot." And I was like, "You forgot? <laughs> you forgot? You forgot? You might want to like sketch that one down. You, know? you might want to put that one in the fucking diary." But um, what was her reaction yeah. at the time? Do you remember how she reacted when you first told her? I, I don't actually remember that. I remember I was in my hometown. Like I, I just like left Sydney and I was in my hometown of Port Macquarie. And I remember I told her and I, I don't really re- – I think she just said she was shocked. And um, she said to me, well, you know, Sean, like, if, like, you know, when it all came to a head last year, um, oh, well, Sean, you know, I don't remember things when they're screamed at me. It's like, Mom, I don't really know how else I meant to tell you something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Whisper it compassionately. Yeah. I was, so, I was um, raped. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, and, yeah, it was just like, yeah, so that was like the first instance of violence and I just, but I just, I just carried on, you know, and then um, I stopped kind of, it's just kind of like, dug it back into my subconscious. Like, I just was like, oh, I just, like, won't think about that, I guess. Like, I just, like, stop. And and I would bring it up because, like, he'd get angry at me and I'd be like, I don't know how. You can get angry at someone who you raped, which is such a weird thing to say. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah. and then he'd be like, I can't believe you're bringing that up. You know, that's so fucking manipulative. And I'd be like, oh, I don't want to be manipulative. And then I just would stop bringing it up. And then, you know violent things started happening and but it's just so weird like I never really thought about them you know until it got extremely serious um when he started putting his hands around my neck and I knew like at work because I'm a social worker when like we get a client and they tell them that you know their boyfriend or husband has been strangling them that um that's the first then then it's in the high risk category so the first time he did it I remember just being like, like, he calmed down and I was like, you can never, ever put your hands around my fucking neck again. And he said, I won't, baby. Like, I, I won't. I won't do that again. And then, yeah, and then it happened again and it was just, yeah, and then it happened again and it was like, yeah. So there were, there were lots of instances of violence, but this was like the serious one, you know, and um, that I did remember because I knew that that was uh, – like a really bad thing to happen and then it happened again and I was like and I was about to go off to a gig I still went off to the gig because I just had no just had no idea of my priorities and um yeah and it happened just before I went to a gig and he yeah he put his hands around my neck again and I was like oh my god like he did it again and then I just like went off to the gig and I was like all right and I my best friend picked me up and I was like um like I'm not gonna go home tonight unless he says like sorry and I was like he'll say sorry like he'll know that he completely overreacted like all I did was like take a Valium and he just like went off it's like you need the Valium mate yeah you need it and um then yeah and then yeah, I just was like, oh, but, like, you know, he'll say sorry by the time, like, this gig's over and stuff. And then I called him and he was just still fucking so angry at me for taking this Valium. And I was like, dude, but he just, like, just fucking strangled me. Like, like this is, like, way more serious, right? Like, I have a right to ask for accountability for this. And it just, like, didn't happen, you know? And so I called the DV hotline that night just to, like, get some... Because I didn't trust myself to not go back. Like, I always went back, like... Yeah. No matter, but this time I, d- I just didn't trust myself, so I called the DV hotline, and they told me to call an ambulance. Um, and then the ambulance came, and then I was sitting in hospital, 
Um, and then they were like, Sean, like, and the social worker was there and she was like, Sean, how long has this violence been going on for? And I was like, oh, I don't know, like six months. And she was like, well, you were in here for domestic violence in 2014. And I just remember being like, oh, fuck, I'm going to need therapy. Like, I just remember that was like the first thing that came into my head. Like, I was like, fuck, like, I don't even remember that. I do not even remember that. And then I was, that it's so interesting when you read my medical records because it's just like me just like working it all out in like a sh- in like a four-month period kind of. And, um, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, do you – like, are you going to go home or like, and I was just like, yeah, like I, I'm going to miss him. So like, I want to go home now. And she was like, oh, let's just like, you know, put you in a refuge for a few days just so you can have some time to yourself. And I was like, um, okay, like, okay, I'll go, I'll go to a refuge and spend some time with myself. And, um, yeah. And then I went to the refuge and, you know, it's so odd. Cause I was like, I was FaceTiming him from the refuge. I was like, look at my room, babe. Like, you know, like, we hadn't broken up. I was like, oh, here's my room. Like, um, the the DV hotline have given me, like, have, uh, buy me some pizza tonight. Like, so, yeah. and then I was like, oh, how stupid's this? Like, the, the boyfriends of the girls here, like, call the refuge and try and talk to their partners. Like, as if that's going to happen. Decent <laughs> men are, like, so stupid. And he was like, they're so stupid. And I was like... <laughs> He's like, they could just FaceTime them like you, (laughs) you know? And then it was just like this, like, yeah. And I didn't expect even then that we were going to break up. Like I just saw it as a break and I kept going back. But every time I went back from like the refuge, the refuge made me like extremely aware that this was just kept happening. Like it just, I was like, oh, every time I go back, I have to come back here because he's violent again. This is happening whenever I fucking see him. This is happening all the fucking time. And then I started, you know, telling people... And then I started, like, telling my friends. Um, like, I called, like, my friend one day and I was like, oh, um, you know, I think me and, like, him are going to break up um, because... And he was like, oh, you and, you and what's-his-face are, like, always going to break up, you know? And I was like, no, nah, I think it might be, like, serious this time, hey? Because <laughs> I'm in, like, a refuge and shit. And then he was like, oh, shit. And, um... <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, and it was just, it was nuts. And then, like, just talking to people about it was extremely helpful because, like, the more I said stuff, like, the more people were like, dude, that's insane. The more like, you know, I, like, I'd never, I'd never really told anyone. Like, I'd never really told anyone to, like, the full extent of, like, what was going on. And, um, yeah, it was just crazy. And then I saw him, like, one last time when I'd, like, and I knew, and, you know, because I'm a social worker, I knew... I knew I, I really didn't want to define him as these men that I'd worked with. You know, I really I didn't see him like that. And you wouldn't suspect he was like that. You know, he wasn't some like yobbo with a fucking like wife beater singlet on. You know, he was like really well spoken and really charming and like really well read and like very intelligent. And um I just like didn't see him as like the stereotypical wife beater. Um, and then I broke up with him and I knew, and it was so crazy. Like when I did break up with him, this was after eight years, you know, I broke up with him. I did it as nicely as I could in a public place. My friend had to drive me and he like drove me and waited in the car park so that I wouldn't go back like to the house. And I, and I broke up with him and he was just like, um, and all he replied was, um, I have rapist blood in me. And I was like, after eight years, like, that's all you have to say. And I was like, this guy is a psycho. And it was just like, I've just, like, got no idea who you are. Like, and it was so freaky. And um, then, yeah, and then I saw him one last time after I broke up with him. And he, and that's when they're at the most dangerous because they got nothing to lose then, you know. Like, you're, you've left and they'll, they'll kill you if you leave kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah, that was a very, and that was a, quite a sadistic beating that time like it was it was really bad um and it was like a lot of strangulation and a lot of and just like just going fucking nuts like he just completely lost his shit you know and um yeah he just like bat- beat the shit out of me strangled me and then I lost consciousness at one point and I looked up when I gained consciousness and he had a knife and he just – and I was like, fuck, like, don't stab me. I hope he's not going to fucking stab me. And then he just started to stab himself. And then <laughs> um, oh. I was like, oh. And then I called – and then I was like, okay, babe, you're, like, really suicidal right now. Um, 
I need to call an ambulance. And so I called an ambulance and said, my boyfriend just beat me and um, now he's trying to kill himself. And then um, he grabbed the phone away from me and said, don't listen to her. My girlfriend's just insane. And then I texted my friend and was like, man, he just beat the shit out of me. And he was just like, run. And I just was like, all right, I'll just ran. And then I went to the hospital later that night. So the ambulance never came. Pardon? The ambulance didn't. No, I think they did. They yeah. did. They must have come, but I would have run away yeah, by then. Yeah. And he texted me while I was in the hospital and was like, man, today was really scary. And I was like, no shit, dude. What? He's like, the cops came, but it's okay. I didn't let them in. And I was like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So it was, it was wild, you know. It was, it was really, it was crazy. That's <laughs> insane. That's, yeah, wow. That's mm. a... That's a story. Sort of, I'm, I'm sort of giggled because I didn't really know what else to oh, say no, at I, that I stage. Giggle, yeah, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like laughing at how sort of crazy some people can be. It's well, it's so crazy because I just had no idea. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I had no well, idea. Be- and then in this, this, this short little time period, I was like, oh, oh, wait, like, this guy's, like, insane. And it was, like, I didn't even know who he was. You know, it was, like, I've just got no idea who you are. Like, you just, like, he just looked like like a demon. Like, he just, like... So he just completely shifted Yeah, in my the, the way. And he might have already... He might have always been like that. But it was just, like, I just saw him for, like, what he was, which was just, like, this violent, resentful, angry guy who could, yeah. you know switch at any second you know like he could right. be so lovely and so but then like in one second like he would just like rip into you you know mm. wow. and um yeah it was just it was a real crazy crazy experience and like i kept like being like during it oh this is so complex like this situation is just it's so complex and then i was like wait a minute it's not complex it's not complex at all you know he is a psychopath and I have daddy issues and that is... The That's a bad combination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that is about as complicated as it is, you know. Yeah, wow. And, um, yeah, and it was nuts and then I just decided... And then I just decided to do a show about it. Like two months after that, it all happened. I just did, yeah, my first festival show and it was just about... Like, my biggest secret, you know? Like, I went from, like, no one can ever know about this to, like, I'm going to go on ABC Radio and talk about <laughs> this. <laughs> I guess, how did you turn it... How did you put your funny spin on it? Um, well, you know, I um, how did I put my funny spin on it? I don't know. I don't know. Like, there was just so many funny times during it. Like, there were just so many... Funny things that ha- like they probably won't wouldn't be funny to anyone else, but they were funny to me. And then the biggest issue I was having through it was I was like, oh, I can only think about DV jokes. And I remember like the first DV joke I came up with, I was like, my friend brought me to Brisbane to like get me away from all that shit. And I remember I was lying like on his floor and I was like all bruised up and like fucked. And I was just like, oh, I just sort of a joke. And I was like, you know, I could do like. Um, but now I've found out that he's fucking this chick I hate. At least I know I don't have to be the one to try and choke her out. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> and he was like, oh yeah, that that's a bit, dude. That's, that's a bit. And then I just like kept thinking of like all these bits. <laughs> okay, then, these are like some dark comedy. Oh, yeah. dude, dude, the whole show was like extremely dark. Like I don't think I'll do a show. To that level, like, like that extremely dark ever again. Um, and I feel like it's because yeah. you experience that, you can joke about that. Whereas, yeah. say, if I went in there and I told that joke, like, I would just get booed, <laughs> death yeah. stared. Did you, oh, you do, you do. Yeah. Did you have a lot of a lot of people um, um, how was the, yeah. on the other side? Um, what, with, like, how they reacted to how it? How was the feedback, yeah. yeah. Um, it's been, like, uh, it's been, like, different, you know. Like, sometimes, like, I'll have, like, you know, a bunch of women just, like, hugging me after the thing and being like, oh, that was so amazing, babe. Like, that was so – that was really cool. And then it's so interesting, you know, because, like, these, like – the people that I've gotten the most feedback uh, – the most backlash from have been, like, you know, um, girls who are, like, extremely left-wing, like, SJW, kind of, like, social justice warrior kind of people who have had – 
you know, the most back, like backlash and been like, you can't fucking talk about that shit, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, mm. you're, we're the people. So, so, it's, it's, so it's them and like straight white men. So they're very similar, you know, very similar, no balls kind of shit, you know. And, um, yeah, so they don't like me. They'll be like, you're triggering people. But then, like, I'll go and do it on, like, the Gold Coast, you know, where there's, like, I'm sure a lot of victims. I don't a lot of DV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the girls there will like it, you know, and even the guys there will like it. Um, and then, yeah, there's more of a lefty kind of social justice warrior mob that kind of, like, won't won't like it as much or, like, we're like, oh, should we laugh about this? It's not, like, politically correct. <laughs> and it's, like, it's kind of, like, you know, the very essence of, like, a domestic violence survivor's, like, experience is politically correct, in, is politically incorrect, you know? And, like, mm. we tell our stories the way we tell our stories and some tell them very affluent, affluently and some people like me, I, I don't feel the need to talk about it in a, you know, in a in a very, like, you know... Dark sense, like, yeah, in yeah. a very well, no, just like politically correct sense, yeah. you know, because yep. it's not politically correct what's happening to you. So, mm. like, yeah, I talked about it in a very politically incorrect sense, and um, yeah, it's been interesting. But a lot of the time, like, like I've even had people being like, "Oh, Sean, I saw your show, and I like left my husband because I realized it was like that," and I was like, "Man, like that's fucking sick," you know, like mm. if I can fucking do that, and like one person leaves their fucking abusive husband because of seeing what what I did, then that's like, then that's fucking incredible, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's really good, that's saving lives, and like, what, these jokes that I wrote during that time, like, they're so important to me, they're so fucking important to me, so it breaks my heart sometimes when I can't do them, but I do understand that sometimes I can't do them, because not every comedy night they want to hear about how you were raped, you know, it's just, <laughs> you know, they're out and they're on a date, and they, they just want to relax, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a rape conference every time Sean's on, but, um, yeah, but, you know, but they, they saved my life, these jokes. Like, you know, that was, like, the only way was me doing jokes about it. Like, like yeah. he – because he knew, like, once everyone knew and once it was that broadcasted, like, whether people believed me or people didn't, I knew that he, like, wouldn't come anywhere near me again after that. Um, mm. So, like, yeah, they saved my life. And that's – not many people can say that, like, these particular jokes, like, saved their life, you know? Mm. Um We've gone but, from yeah, but it wasn't the story didn't end there. No, no, we're going to get <laughs> into that next end. part of the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's uh, more. On, yes, now, uh, so you've been on TV. You've been at the Sydney Comedy Festival. You've been at uh, plenty of other comedy festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Raw National Finals as well. Mm-hmm. And was the were these all sort of jokes regarding that first part of the story you've told us today, or are they also including the jokes that you're uh, about the next part of the story that you're about to tell um, us? So all those, so all that j- during all that period. So like raw, I was with him for all of that. So that, so what do you mean? What do you? Oh mean? right. So when did yeah, I guess? No, I was with. Uh, this ended um, a year ago. Yeah right. So for all of this comedy festival and everything, that was all just regarding your normal stand-up routine. That had nothing to do with these dark jokes that you got. But I was already a dark comic. Well, I didn't intend to be a dark comic, but then I became like out of the world dark. So, like the darkest comic kind of thing. So I feel like next comedy festival that you're at, shit's going to get real. <laughs> like, really, really Well, well real. Grub, Grub was... Now, Grub was the darkest show I ever did, and I don't think I'll ever do a show as dark as that. Yep. And then the next show is just about the aftermath, which I, I'm not going to bring up too much of the relationship in it. Yep. I'm more just going to bring up, like, my reaction to that, you know? Which is... Uh, yeah, so my next show is just going to be about the aftermath of domestic violence and uh, my experience. Because, uh, yeah, after that ended, I have a joke about it. Because, like, after that, that shit ended, um, you know, I, um, you know, I'm a social worker, but I, I didn't do anything that, like, you know, I told my clients to do. I didn't get therapy. I didn't go to counselling. I was like, I'm just going to smoke meth and be a prostitute. God, I'm a goose. And and I'm sure everyone, I mean, you'll tell us a bit about it today, but for the humour side of things, they've really got to see your show tomorrow night, which is uh, at the Good Show. Western Girl. Western Girl tomorrow night. And I called it Western Girl uh, because that was the name that the guy that ran the brothel, the manager of the brothel, he would call me Western Girl. He'd always say... You're, the, you're my Western girl. And he'd always say, like, you pay more for the Western girl to the clients when they came in. And, you know, I think that proves, right, that even at the very, very fucking bottom, 
there's still a tiny bit of white privilege. So you were you were at the top of the very bottom. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My rock bottom was at <laughs> the <right>. top. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so just so we have a bit more context for the viewers, can we talk a bit more about? Yeah, so um, how that, that happened. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. Like, it's just so interesting, you know, because I just don't think there was, like, any amount of, you know, doing a show about it and being able to go on ABC News and do the radio and stuff. Like, you know, I, I like, I thought, like, yeah, you'd think, and I think looking back, like, wasn't that enough love that people showed you and enough caringness? And it just, like, wasn't, man. Like, it wasn't. And I was so, like, fucking hurt and so fucking angry. I was hurt about, you know, the people that, like, didn't believe me, even though it was very few people that, like, didn't believe me who were in my personal life. I was, I was really hurt, like, just, like, yeah, I was so hurt. And there was nothing anyone could do to, like, take away how fucking hurt I was. Um... And, you know, when you first leave DB, like, you know, you're, you're very isolated because he made me cut out nearly, like, everyone in my life. Like, I had very few people in my life. And then I only kind of had him, apart from, like, a few, like, very close friends. And then he left and then I was just kind of, like, yeah, really isolated and really hurt and really fucking angry and I didn't know how to deal with that. And then I was i was also very manic. I was also, like, extremely manic. I was never suicidal, which I'm happy about. Like, I wasn't suicidal. I was just – I was very manic and very self-righteous. And um, I started just abusing the fuck out of Xanax. Like, I've always had a drug problem. Always fucking had a drug problem. Like, I was smoking so much weed for, like, all my life. And then um, – yeah, and then I just started, like, taking Xanax um, heaps. And, like, the worst thing about Xanax is, like, if you're manic and then you take Xanax, Xanax, like, wipes all your inhibitions. So I, like, had, like, no inhibitions and I was manic. And um, I just started, um, yeah, and then I remember I was, like, out of Xanax one day and I wasn't able to buy another packet and I was in the middle of Sydney CBD and I was like, I, like, I want to fucking buy, like, another box of Xanax. I'm not leaving this fucking CBD until I've sucked dick for money. Wow. <laughs> you know? And, um, <laughs> and, it is am- and it is amazing. It is incredible how easy that is to do, to achieve, you know? And I didn't le- – and I did achieve that that day. Wow. I did achieve it. How? And I so was walk like, us through that. How, like, how'd you do it? Like, I just fucking wa- – like, I just walked into a brothel. I literally I – just, I just, like, Googled brothels, like, in the CBD on my phone, and I just – wandered in there and i was like hey can i have a job and they're like yep okay wow <laughs> and that and it was no interview process um well i had to suck the manager's dick but yeah besides, so i guess that was the interview what a job interview <laughs> hey? yeah prove you can do it <laughs> was that was the manager the person who gave you the money yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the first person. And then, like, I just did a couple of jobs in there. And I was like, that was easy. But the only reason it was easy was because I was on a fuckload of Xanax. So I just, like, had, like, no emotions. And I was so sexually traumatized. I was like, oh, you know. And, um, yeah. So, and then, and like, you just, like, make so much fucking money for what feels like fucking nothing. Like, it felt like nothing. But I think that was just because I, I was on Xanax. So it just <laughs> felt like nothing. Yeah, like, I was yeah. like, this is so fucking easy. This is so easy. Easy. Uh, Guys are easy to please. Like. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and I just, and then like you just like, yeah, and I was just like able to like, you know, not really feel too much pain because I was on heaps of Xanax and then it just felt like at the brothel every night I was just like at a party, you know, because there was just like heaps of music and heaps of girls there and it just like, I was like, oh, like this is just fun, like, you know what I mean? I'm just like <laughs> a party all the time, like it's stopping me thinking anything and um, yeah, but then shortly like I just started like smoking heaps of meth in the brothel because the manager of the brothel so- sold meth um right. to like the girls and then he would and then what would happen is like you'd do your whole shift and then like you'd get a couple of bags of meth i i would get a couple of bags of meth because i'm a hopeless addict and um then he'd just take it out of your pay at the end of the shift so then like you know you get paid at the end of your shift and then it just feels like you didn't really spend any money on meth because yeah you've you don't got really a bunch notice of money. it yeah yeah, 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 yeah. so i guess <laughs> how, how much is a regular shift like how much would you leave with on average like like it, on like um, like an average night, it would probably be like one thousand two hundred cash. 
Yeah. All cash. And is that including like an extra bag of meth on top of oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, okay. yeah. So, well, it was it was more than just one bag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, uh, right, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, one – and then like 2,000 bucks on like a good night, you know. Wow. So, like – How many, I guess, how many jobs does that involve? Like, okay, so it was like – Jobs as in like yeah. hand jobs, <laughs> blow jobs. Like. I don't know. Like it's hard to like do the maths because I was so like like he was probably like ripping me off. You know, I was fucked and I just didn't know what was going on. But like if one person is like you get like $200 for half an hour for one dude. That's it? Yeah, that, that's not much. But if it's not cash, then like it's like whatever, and then it goes up. And like what I did, and what me and the manager, the manager taught me, he taught me the Chinese art of swindling, which was just an incredible skill. So what you do is you get like the timer on your phone, and just say the client like books you for half an hour. So you get half an hour for two hundred dollars. You put the timer on your phone for fifteen minutes. Yep. Yeah, and then the timer goes off, and you're like, oh, we're done. And then he'd be like, oh, I want to spend more time with you. And then you'd be like, all right, so another half an hour. And then you put your timer for like another 15 minutes. <laughs> and then you get paid for $400 for half an hour, half an hour <laughs> when like really, yeah, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they never realise because these men, they've got very low self-esteem, you know, so it's very easy to take complete advantage of them. And they're like, oh, has it really been half an hour? And you're like, yep. Does anyone just look at their watch and go, nah? No, it never no, happened. No, that never really happened. It happened with one Norwegian guy, one Norwegian guy, and then I was just like, well, too bad. You know, I've, I've decided. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, and then, yeah, I had guys be like, like I've told people about that, and like, the people would, did, did these people complain? It's like, what the fuck? Like, what kind of loser would fucking complain? Like, you know, they're already fucking, fucking buying sex. Like, it's fucking embarrassing enough. They're not going to, like, go to the manager and be like, this girl didn't. <laughs> yeah, you know, you'd have to be. <laughs> this person only sucked me off for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, yeah, so he just taught me all these tricks and then, like, yeah, so then, like, I'd do that 15-minute trick and then, like, you'd you'd end up being booked for an hour and so you'd be, like, 200, 200, 200, 200. And then the hour was, like, two or, like, 300 and it was, like, an hour. So then, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It was just, like, this, like, Oh, so it was, like, 200 tricky. for half an hour, but yeah. we'll chuck in, you know, extra 100, we'll give you another half an hour. Like, yeah. yeah right. an extra 200, extra this, extra 50% this. off. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> what was so your percent off your wild. time? <laughs> yeah, it was just wild. And, like, it was just, like, a fucking, like, dingy brothel, like, the dingiest one. But those are, like, it's dangerous. Like, and I don't want to say those are the ones to go for, but... It's, like, pretty sneaky because, like, the managers won't usually give too much of a shit and then you're able to, like, get away with more. So you kind of end up making more. Like, yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? So do, do people have to pay extra to do certain things? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, but you have to, to talk about that with them, like, when yeah. they go in and then you just, like, yeah, charge them. Well, that's going to lead to extra. the next question, which is, of course, like, what – is the weirdest thing that you had to do? Um, well, like, I don't remember too much uh, because of all the drugs I was on. <laughs> um, and But the weirdest thing I remember, this was just, oh, it was so gross. It was so fucking gross. Um, but thank God I smoked ice before it, so I didn't fe- have any feelings, you know? <laughs> I didn't have any feelings. But it was for, for future Sean to look back on and be like, oh, man. <laughs> and um, uh, there was, like, this one guy... And um, he, I, like, we like went up to like the room, and he was like, "Oh, like so, like what are you?" I, and I'd always be like, "What are you into?" Like, but in like a very like general sense, you know, like just like, "What are you into?" Like starting a conversation, he was like, "Oh, well, what do you do?" And I'm like, "Oh, pretty much anything." Like, I just like, I just won't shit on you. And then he's like, "Oh, that that's my thing." I was like, "Oh, oh man, that's no. what." Thing. Like shit in oh man thing yeah and um and then I was just like oh well I don't know you can like I guess you could like fuck my ass and some shit could come out oh, <laughs> oh god <laughs> like so gross <laughs> I was like you can fuck my ass and some shit would come out and um he fucked my ass and some shit came out and then he like <laughs> fucking loved it like loved it and he did this like really fucking gross like. Hannibal Lecter shit, like with the when the condom came out with the shit on it. Okay, 
Let's, uh, let's bring it and in a little bit. Well, the, well, you asked him in the he, worst He story. kept it. He kept okay, it. He all kept right. the condom with my shit in it in oh, like a little no. container. And I was like, oh. And, oh, I, and no. I was like, went downstairs to the girls and I was like, oh my God. But what was good like is that like you'd go downstairs and you'd be able to talk to the girls and kind of like debrief, you know, debrief over the, the crazy client. But that was like the worst dude. And he, he wasn't even bad looking like, you know, like he was fine. He's like, I've been waiting for you all week. And I was like, oh my God. Like, this guy's nuts. <laughs> so, yeah, like regular, regular customers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, so let's crack on to the next bit, I guess. Um, now you're out of that industry now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how I guess how are things? Are you clean now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm clean. I I went so I moved to Brisbane in February. Yep. And I um and you know I got I fucking like I only had like. Like, you know, my really good mate here. Well, two really good mates here. But besides that, I didn't really know anyone. And I was, like, fucking coming off ice and, like, was just, like, like it, it's really hard to make friends in general. Like, never mind when you're, like, sexually traumatised and um, coming off ice and your brain is, like, sunburnt, you know. And then I – um, so I, I stayed here for, like, a month and then I was, like, no, nah, I'm going back. I'm going to – I'm going back to Sydney to, like, relapse – and I went back to Sydney to relapse and I smoked a bunch of meth for like 10 days. I smoked, I went on a 10-day meth bender and prostitution bender at that place. And then um, I called my friend in Brisbane, my really good mate in Brisbane. Um, and I was like, oh man, I relapsed. And like, all I want to do is like make new friends in Brisbane. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do that because I can't be a friend right now. And I can't expect anyone to be my friend while I'm like this either, you know, I can't expect that. And he was like, no, you can't. Um, just go to a Narcotics Anonymous meeting when you get back to Brisbane. So I went back to Brisbane. I caught the plane just straight from the brothel to the airport to, the, um, to Brisbane. And then I flew to um, the – yeah, and then I flew here and I went straight to the – NA meeting of Narcotics Anonymous and 12 Steps. Um, and then I've been clean ever since then. Good. Really good yeah, to hear. Yeah. So yeah. that was in March. So, yeah, I've been clean for for a while now. And, yeah, 12 Steps has been, like, yeah, pro- probably the best thing that I've ever done and, like, made a lot of connections and just, like, yeah, just, like, rebuilding. But it was just, like, a hell of a lot harder, you know, than I thought it would be and, like, Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, but but it's a lot yeah. easier now. It's a lot easier to deal with all of Like, I should have just, like, I always said, like, oh, I wish I was one of those survivors that, like, you know, just, like, left the fella and then just, like, went and, like, did yoga and, like, <laughs> all that kind of shit. But I, I'm not, I'm not that kind of survivor. I'm not that kind of survivor, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, and, like, yeah, I, I was a messy, dirty, fucked up, like, just trying to find love in all the wrong places and trying to find that again in all the wrong places, you know, and, um, yeah, but now, now they're a lot better and, um, yeah, I think I'm really grateful and I practice gratitude and meditation and all that kind of thing and it's a lot easier now and now I'm just working on my show, um, which is going to be, yeah, all about the aftermath and that kind of shit, yeah. So it's going to be quite dark as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, so I guess uh, something we'd want to hear from you is, what lessons and what what do you have to say to others that are going through what you've been through? Um, I don't know. I guess to any girl that has, like, a violent partner, I would just say, like, it's the most important thing is that it's not complex, you know, and it's not complicated. Um, They're just a psychopath. That's probably just my – and tell someone because, like, abuse thrives only in silence, you know. And telling someone is, like, the hardest part, but it also makes it real. And when you eventually leave them, like, however much, like, you know, I fucking hurt after that. However much I fucking, it was so painful and so, like, you know, it was also extremely freeing. And no matter, like, all the meth and prostitution and all that kind of shit that I did to myself, it was ten times better than being with that guy. You know, it was so much better. Um, so yeah, and like leaving them fucking sucks and it's isolating and lonely and like don't think it's gonna be in yeah, but it's also incredible at the same time. It's also absolutely incredible and like the best Eureka moment of your fucking life, you know? And um to people with drug addiction, I just say uh do twelve steps and admit that 
step one is that you're powerless over your addiction and your life has become unmanageable and go to 12 steps and then you'll find connection and love there. Like, you know, there's people there who will love you, which is really in a really healthy, beautiful way, you know. So, yeah, that would probably that's all my real advice. <laughs> I don't really know if I should be giving out advice. All I can do is, like, share my story, I guess. Well, I guess what lessons have you learnt from this? What lessons? Yeah, what lessons? Um, I've just learned, I don't know. I feel like I'm learning like a new lesson every day. Hey, like a new lesson, like every day. Like, um, probably like, yeah, not like, I don't know. No amount of love from like anyone else can really stop the pain. And you kind of have to actively try to stop that pain yourself, you know? And then you can fit feel grateful for the love that you do when you're actively trying to solve the pain. But, um, yeah, during it and while you're being painful and resent, and while you're in pain and while you're full of resentment, like, um, it's, yeah, like no amount of love anyone can show you will make any much of a difference until you actively decide to change kind of thing. Yeah. What, if any, advice would you give to people who are friends of or are around people who are experiencing who are experiencing the things that you have um what should they do in response to hearing about um mm. some of the things that you've been through I don't know I guess all I can do is say what my friends did and you know my like I was so incredibly lucky for the friend group I did have you know who did react to this in an extremely beautiful way and like my 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 really good mate he literally went out of his way to make sure that I was okay and like you know babysat me for a month like he babysat me for a month to make sure that I didn't go back so I had very extremely hands-on support you know um so yeah and really just reiterating to the person that they have to leave them like they have to leave them and just yeah they have to leave like that's that's what my friends my friends when I first kept, they they just kept telling like you have got to leave him like, you've got to leave him and they were very happy for me to text to text them whenever they were on call 24 7 like absolutely incredible like hands-on support that I got so yeah if you're gonna support someone in that and people do do fuck off people do fuck off they can't deal with it like that's just straight up they cannot fucking deal with it so yeah so like I was incredibly lucky but if you really want to be there you just kind of have to do 24 (laughs) 7 round the clock have your phone on you ready for that person to text you because my my friends were just like okay Sean just text us whenever you're alone with him and tell tell us what he's doing like tell mm. us what he's doing so i i was i did that you know i and every time they validate that that's not okay that's not like, oh my god that's not okay oh that's not okay i have a right to think that's not okay i have a right like you know um so they were like yeah so my friends were like extremely hands-on like to an insane degree and yeah if you're going to be there for someone like it and it's so important you know it's so important because like you could save like uh, my life was saved by people doing that by people giving me that 24 7 round the clock support you know and um there were some people that couldn't handle it but I was lucky enough that I'm too extroverted that once I told one person, I could not stop telling absolutely everyone. So then there was a lot of framework of support, you know, and um, you would have yeah. noticed the, uh, the snowflakes yeah. break uh, off But my friends quickly. also, they also like went along with a lot of what I said. Like, you know, they were just like, yeah, yeah, it's complicated. It's, yeah, we get it. It's complicated. And then, um, you know, then I'd be like, wait a second, it's not complicated. And they'll be like, no, it's not at all. It's not at all. You're right. It's not at all. <laughs> so they just keep agreeing with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they just keep agreeing with me. And, but always just telling me to dump him. Like, you just have to dump him. Yeah. I know it's not that easy. Like you, you know, you could have mm. a million people say, "Leave them, mm-hmm. leave them," and you, and you're going to say, um, you "Yeah, know, but what, it's eventually, not, it's not once that you, bad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah." yeah. Well, I kept saying that. I kept yeah. saying that, and then they were just like, "Wake up!" Like, yeah, dump, <laughs> dump. Sean, wake up! <laughs> <laughs> and they were just, and they were also like, "I'm so happy that you told me," and like, yeah, and just being like, 
yeah, just happy that I told them and checking in on me and yeah, um, yeah, but they were just like, but once I got that like, you know, validation that like it wasn't okay and he was overreacting and I wasn't overreacting and all of that, it was very like, oh, like it was such a relief. It was just such a relief. And then when I finally decided, oh, I'm going to dump him, I was just like, I remember I called my best friend and I was like, oh, babe, I'm, I can just break up with him. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> what? That's and what I've like, been telling you to do. Yeah. <laughs> For eight years. <laughs> and I was like, what a relief. Like, oh, that's, oh, oh my God. Like, you know. But yeah, I did have to come to my own conclusion. But like, you know, when you have like the police telling you to dump him and like the government telling you to dump yeah. him and then all your friends telling you to dump him, you're like, Maybe I should dump him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's hard, man. And they do walk away, and like, because it's, it's intense, man. Like, it's, you know, it's it's really intense. And um, well, I know it's I know, especially when you're going through something really tough. Even telling your friends uses a lot of their energy as well in order to mm-hmm. cope with what you're going through. Yeah, I know. My uh, friend had to go to counselling like wow. again. Like during it, you know, because yep. I'd just be like texting him. I'd be like, oh, he attacked me again. And then like that would have been so stressful. And I wasn't aware of how stressful that would be. Mm. Yeah. In a follow-up question to what Ben asked, I guess if any. Oh, they also told me they love me every day. Oh, good. That's amazing. So tell them yeah. that you love them as well. Just not on I the, love you. Not I on love the you. first or second date. No. <laughs> <laughs> and not in a response to saying goodnight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So follow-up question to what Ben asked, I guess – if you any if any advice you can give let's say um how would as a friend so let's say i'm gonna i'm one of your friends while you're going through this what signs should i expect to see uh from you that you've started being domestically abused Mm. um like how did you change around your friends how did i change um i don't i don't know like my my best mate like i remember she did sit with me like before everything blew up and she just said, Sean, like, I'm getting really worried about you. Like, I started to get very skinny, like, extremely skinny. I just, like, couldn't eat anymore. So, I guess, like, really noticeable weight loss is one sign, you know, really noticeable weight loss. Um, I was also very um, – but, you know, it was hard to, for them to pick because I spoke so highly of him. So I, I never said a bad word about him until the very fucking end, you know? Um, and, um, yeah, so – but, yeah, my friend kind of knew um, that something was up, you know, and she just noticed that because I was becoming withdrawn. You know, I never had my phone on me anymore because he always wanted to look at my messages, so I just, like, stopped, you know, messaging people anymore I was getting very angry at other people like I got very angry and had a lot of like anger that I took out on other people because I couldn't get angry at him um and yeah just like withdrawn I well for me yeah I was withdrawn I was extremely thin and um I yeah and extremely anxious like he made me unbelievably anxious you know where I just could not relax or anything until I knew that this guy loved me. So it's also like, you know, if your friend is like over, like if your friend says, oh, me and my partner just had a fight and then they're like extremely anxious and extremely emotional and extreme, like to an an extreme degree, I think that's a good sign. Okay, cool. Yeah, because that would be my reaction. It's really hard, hey, it's really hard to notice how you are around your friends during the domestic violence. Mm. So mm. it's good that your friend mentioned to you, hey, I'm worried, I'm concerned, you've changed this about you. Mm. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, and I just, yeah, so that's that's one thing I think that she noticed was that I was extremely overly emotional and overly anxious when we were in a fight or when I thought he was mad at me. Like, like yeah, where it was like uh, you could not, calm me down until I got like a text from him being like, I love you. I'd be like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, right. Okay. So you seek sort of validation from him. And then I realised I only feel okay when I know that he's not mad at me. Cool. So everybody we get onto the show, uh, we get them to do a bit of an audition for us. Mm -hmm. Um, Something to do with them, something that uh, like a talent that they have. Um, So 
seeing as how you come from comedy, uh, we'd like you to tell us uh, your best joke or uh, the best joke that you can think of. The best. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll tell what one of the ones I like. So, um, are you guys here a fan of true crime? Of course. Yeah, true crime, yep. yeah. Yeah, uh, I, was wa- I was watching a documentary on that Ivan Milat. Remember him? I don't, I don't know. No. Ivan Milat. No, hit, fill us in. Who's Ivan Milat? Just for listeners who have no idea who he is. Uh, Ivan Milat was Australia's, <laughs> like, for, like, oh, he wasn't, the f- Australia's first serial killer. He was a serial killer who killed in the Belangolo State Forest. You know Ivan Milat? I've heard of the Belangolo State Forest story, but I didn't know the name yeah, yeah, behind yeah. it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not with this joke. I, okay, I think I might. Oh, I don't know if I should do this joke if you don't know him, because it's hard. But I'm I was, sure I was plenty. Watching, I was watching a documentary on that Ivan Milat, yep. and they were interviewing the main investigator involved in the case. And the main investigator said, "What we knew at the time, by the nature of the crimes, is that the suspect we were looking for was bisexual." You know. And I don't necessarily think the fact that Ivan Milat chose to rape and murder both women and men necessarily makes him bisexual, you know? Mm. Like, I don't ever think Ivan Milat was ever just raping and murdering women and then he thought, I'm lying to myself. <laughs> Ivan Milat, my pronouns, are they them? Please respect them while I break your spine and rape your ass. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> but, or oh, we can do a softer joke. This is also a very, a very loved joke. But... um. A lot of a lot of Northern Englishes have been joining ISIS recently. Have you heard that? A lot of Northern Englishes joining ISIS. ISIS will like reach out to these guys on Twitter and convince them to join the Islamic State, which makes me think that the Syrian Iraqi border would be a lot like the Australian outback, you know, full of Northern English backpackers. Except this time they're not fucking fruit picking, you know. <laughs> this time they're like Allah Akbar, you know. Oh. Oh, Jesus Heard under Sharia law, you can have like seven wives. Well, don't mind a bit of that. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. That's awesome. Oh, shit. Do you remember the first joke you ever told? The first joke I ever told? Oh, no. I would have no idea. It would be embarrassing. No. It would be very bad. Um, I, I actually, yeah, I, would, I, I could not remember that. <laughs> so I'm sure you're, you're on YouTube from your time at the Sydney Comedy Festival yeah, and Melbourne yeah. Comedy Festival. and mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I guess... I'm on YouTube, I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, but I never use it, but I need to fucking get on that shit, but yeah. Yeah, TikTok's a thing these days, I yeah. found out, Yeah, and I didn't know you, that. You guys should like, probably put the pod on TikTok. We've started... Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, so I've started doing some reels on the podcast and, oh, yeah. and TikTok and stuff like that. So you were you shared the stage with S- Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, what was that like? Um, I was extremely traumatized at the time, and because um, I just left that fella, and I was like, I need to talk about being raped and bashed in front of Sasha Baron Cohen. It is part of my recovery. So <laughs> <laughs> was he like, very nice. <laughs> But no, that was really cool. That was really cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was just like, um, yeah, he was he was bore at, and I was, and I was traumatized, you know. And um, but it was cool. Yeah, and I did that. For, it was about four days, four nights with him. And yeah, no, it was really cool. I was just like, yeah, extremely fucked and traumatized. I couldn't really like take it in, you know. Um, but it was cool to see him do Borat and everything. Like that was really mm. sick. That Did was you get to? Gift. You spent any time with him off stage? Uh, like, no, nah, he was like backstage, like getting into character the whole time. But yeah, um, he yeah. did like give me a little pat on the shoulder, probably because I was I looked so extremely traumatized. It was <laughs> like, I got to talk about being raped and bashed in front of him. It's part of my recovery. <laughs> did he know what you were gonna be? talking to him about or? um I, I don't think so i don't know i don't it think is. so so that, that was me i was a real firecracker at that at that stage i felt very in my right to do all this <laughs> how did he react did you did you see him break character at all no i just saw, he just he just literally just patted me on the back when i went off when i got off the stage yeah, right. he was on after me he went on after me and he was just like they're there <laughs> There, there. <laughs> and then it was like, all right, I am Borat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've, um, yeah, so you've really opened up today and, and we appreciate that. It's, yeah, it's no probably one of the most insane, well, not insane, that's a bad word for it, but yeah, most jaw-dropping stories we've had so far. So oh, okay. I'm really glad you came on and told it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's certainly going to be hard for some listeners, uh, but that's what my vision was. I, I wa- need a disclaimer. 
A hundred percent. My uh, my vision is to have uneasy things on this podcast that people have to realize is real and it is going on around people. There is domestic violence out there. There is other things and drugs and everything out there. And the sooner people realize that and a way to combat it rather than just thinking the world's perfect, um, the sooner we can move on and and make a better world. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's important that we talk about this. So I thank you. I thank you for bringing me on here and having an interest in it and taking the time to do that because it's really important, you know. Really yes. Yeah, and uh, of course, you didn't really talk about it in a comedic way today. Uh, you, 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 uh, I know it's a bit different to your show where you joke about it and everyone has a laugh about what you're going through. So I realise that being serious and talking about it, I really appreciate that. Um, and of course, tomorrow night is your next show, which talks about not Western the, girl. Yeah, yeah, not the DV side of things, but uh, your your uh, your meth addiction and and the prostitution and your recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's tomorrow night at Good Chat Comedy Festival. Yep. Uh, tickets available at goodchat.com.au. It's on Caxton Street in Brisbane at 8.30 p.m. Yep, sure um, <laughs> You got a little demo for what people are going to expect? Um, no, it's really just about um, recovery and friends and hope and health, you know. Still a comedy, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the <laughs> essence of it, yeah. <laughs> I, I like to get a bit deep in my comedy, though. I do. You know? We've I noticed. Get, I like to get emotional. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, it really has been uh, shocking and jaw-dropping hearing some of these stories. Um, and, yeah, just to, I guess, reiterate what other Ben said, um, yeah, we really do think it's important for these things to be heard. Mm. Um, because it's not at all common for... Mm people to really talk about it in at least not in the depths that we've gone into it today so uh thank you very much for coming on and and sharing your story no worries thank you thanks for listening in head over to our facebook or instagram at whom podcast for highlights and more see you all next week with another amazing guest